Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Tony Martinetti, who's the owner of Inspired Purpose Coaching. You can find out more at inspiredpurposecoach.com. We're going to be talking about how you can be an inspired leader, an empowered leader, and how you can walk out your life with greater clarity and greater influence. Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. We have a special episode today for all you leaders out there. Those of you who you're out there, you're trying to make it happen, you're leading a team of individuals. And at the same time, you know, as you're managing all this responsibility, maybe you're thinking about, okay, how do I, how do I live my own life where I feel inspired, fulfilled, purposeful in my day-to-day? We're going to be talking about how you can really marry some of these professional responsibilities that you might have with still being someone who's driven and passionate about those things that are kind of the big picture things in your life. Today, we're going to be talking to Tony Martinetti, who's the owner and the chief inspiration officer of Inspired Purpose Coaching. You can find out more at inspiredpurposecoach.com. And essentially, what he does is he guides people to find clarity in their lives so that you actually wake up energized, you're present, and, and frankly, you're unstoppable. Especially what Tony loves to do is help leaders unlock their potential and lead from a place of purpose so that you're actually impacting and inspiring people around you. He's also the host of the Virtual Campfire Podcast, which is available on Apple Podcasts and pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. And he's also the author of the book, Climbing the Right Mountain, Navigating the Journey to an Inspired Life, which is available on Amazon right now. Tony, it's great to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me on with an intro like that. That was, uh, you know, really have the, you've set the bar really high. So, well, I, you know, I try to make sure that my guests are well represented and that we start on a high note so that, you know, the, the world is open to us. Right. Yeah. So Tony, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, thank you. So, you know, one of the things that I'd love to talk about is this element of my journey coming from uh, the corporate world. Uh, I spent um, almost 25 years or so in the corporate world and eventually got to this point where I said, I think I need to do something different with, uh, with my gifts. And that's what brought me into the world of coaching and leading leaders. Um, and I love what I'm doing now. It's something that I feel is my true calling. And um, the journey since getting on this path has been nothing short of amazing. Uh, I feel like the work I'm doing now, I'm inspired by the people who I work with hmm. and that keeps me going every day. I love that. I love that. Now you're also a podcast host. How did the virtual campfire podcast come about? Yeah. So it's interesting. I wasn't a podcast listener for, you know, if you were to ask me about podcasting um, two, three years ago, I would have said, you know, no, that's not my thing. But I actually, um, during the pandemic, 
I had this idea about bringing people together to share stories of transformation. And I wanted it to be more of a group thing. Um, but I backed out of that conversation and I said, wait a minute, it'd be so much more powerful if I had this as a podcast mm. and then the light bulb went off. And so what I did is I decided, decided to create this thing instead of the virtual campfire being a, um, a group discussion, it was more of a one-on-one um, experience that I could share with the world. And the thought behind it, the virtual campfire is to bring people on who are doing something amazing in the world and to help them to share their story through what I call flashpoints, points in their journey that have ignited their gifts into the world. And they come on, they share these, these stories and we get really, really intimate. Um, not intimate, like to, you know, <laughs> not weird, really, intimate, but <laughs> yeah, well, we get intimate in terms of wanting them to reveal, you yeah. know, what was the feeling, the emotions they went through, what was the journey? And then also look at the themes that showed up. Um, and then as we get to the later part of the show, we really show like, what, have, what did they learn about themselves along that path? So it's been a blessing to be part of this process with people. Um, I've had people come on the show who are really amazing and they come on and they say, wow, I never thought of those things about my life. Hmm. I love it. I can create that. When you are celebrating your one year anniversary of the podcast, which you, you had your first episode, the sort of the welcome episode back on June 11th. uh, But your first guest episode was on June 29th. So you're actually right up to the one year mark, which is pretty exciting. Uh, Tell me a little bit about, I mean, the journey must have been pretty incredible. And I'm sure just thinking about all the conversations you've had, more importantly, the people that your listeners have been able Mm -hmm. to just tune into. Do you find that like people, that relatability is really powerful when someone gets to listen to this um, incredible person tell a very real and raw story? Yeah, it's so I'm so glad that you recognize this one year anniversary. It's the first person who really noticed that. Um, I had been thinking about that really, um, but the, the thing that I really celebrate is those the little stories that I've been able to um, to get back. The emails, the little text messages from people who said, "I listened to your this episode, and it really had an impact on me because of my own experience with." maybe depression or my journey as an entrepreneur. And, uh, you know, hearing those people come back and say that this had an impact on them, made a difference for them. That's all I needed to hear. It made me feel as though I'm doing something that is making an impact mm-hmm. and that's all that matters, right? It's not about the likes. It's not about the, um, the amount of uh, kudos you get, mm-hmm. but if you're making a difference in one person's life, what more could you ask for? Right. It seems like a great metric for leadership, right? Where often the way we approach leadership or the temptation, I guess, is our own personal accolades, you know, being the one who drove the success of your team, but really flipping that on its head and thinking about impacting others. I would imagine you probably approach your business in mentoring leaders in a very similar way. Absolutely. You know, you, you can't go in it with an ego and say, okay, I have to, you know, um, I have to make an impact by forcing my agenda on people or try to show up in a big way or, you know, prove to somebody that I know all this great stuff. That's not going to work. What it's all about is, is really allowing yourself to be the container or to be that person who's going to allow the person who's showing up to bring their brilliance out. 
to allow them to show up in their, you know, with what they have inside. And part of that's being that Sherpa to help them allow, you know, on the journey to uncover themselves, which I think is why, you know, I talk a lot about mountains. I love climbing mountains. Um, it's a process of going through the climb and realizing along the way, there's going to be struggles. There's going to be things that you uncover about yourself, but each time you stop and you look back and you say, wow, I'm different than I was before. Mm-hmm. I'm grown from where I was before. And I now see what it takes to navigate that path. Because, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt. Please go ahead. Yeah. No, it's it. Uh, <laughs> it, it seems like that humility driven approach. Um, it, I, I think about like the new leader, for example, who's stepping into a leadership role. And in our culture, we love to talk about, we sort of like this hero culture of certain leaders, you know, there's always like a Steve Jobs quote that's put up on a wall somewhere or things like that. And so it feels like the new leader, when they step into their role, really has this internal pressure to be that amazing, incredible, charismatic, insightful person. Mm. But I like the way you describe it, which is sort of like this Sherpa, this this guide who's Mm. really trying to lead and guide their team to greater success. How does a leader step into that role and be comfortable with Mm. not being the star, maybe even comfortable with their own failings and flaws as a boss? Yeah, it's such a great way uh, to put it um, because oftentimes I'm thinking about it from the perspective of, you know, you can't just, you know, take on that. The big ego does not really win the day. Um, the the best way to, to look at it is your leadership style, your own way of leading the world. It's inside of you. It just has to be uncovered. It's like chipping away at the block of, of stone and finding the gold inside of it. And ultimately, the process I take for getting people there is to start by, you know, playing with time. I kind of think of it as a time traveling expedition where you start with looking into the past and looking at what has gotten you to this place where you are right now. It's like an inventory exercise of looking at the strengths, the wins, the, the, the things that you overcome in the past that have brought you to where you are today. And then we play with going into the future. You know, what is the, the future that you're envisioning for yourself? And put yourself in that place of of who do you want to be in that future? So you can allow yourself to see what kind of leader I want to be. What leaders have I seen in the past that have embodied the things that I want to be as a leader? Mm -hmm. Um, And think about those things. Now, once you've done those two things, think about your current day and what you can do today in the current moment to, to take action, to take steps, to embody that leader that you want to be. And find them within the current skill sets you have. So it's not about becoming a leader you're not, but it's about uncovering them in your in your current skill sets that you currently possess and that you can grow from. Tony, I, I know you work with a, I don't know why I keep thinking the word smorgasbord. <laughs> I know you work <laughs> with plenty of leaders. Yeah. And I would undoubtedly guess that eventually you probably work with the occasional middle manager who has stepped into a leadership role. They're maybe even listening to the podcast thinking like, yes, I really want to own who I am, my giftings, my skill set, and even my my personality. You know, if that if the person listening isn't the um, necessarily like the up and front loud, uh, Mm. commanding, kind of the stereotypical leader that we sometimes go to. 
but that person's feeling the pressure from their boss to lead a certain way, act a certain way, really act in a way that that boss, their own personality is. How does the middle manager find that balance or really resolve that tension between who they are as a boss and who they envision themselves leading as and the pressure of their boss who might be trying to get them to get certain results, who want certain behaviors? Um, how do they manage yeah. that? I, uh, this is such a great topic. And I love that you brought this up because especially given the times that we're in, um, what I've come to realize recently is that there's a lot of people out there um, and a lot of people I've worked with, particularly that are quiet leaders. They're the people who are uh, usually coming from like the science sciences or like these technical fields, but they're super smart. And sometimes they don't have that bravado of, you know, moving into the room and, and, and speaking loudly on the Zoom calls or in those in the room. And what I often uh, get them to do is to connect with what is it that they really want to stand for? What are the things that they really champion and will um, will go to bat for? And what are the things that are they'll they're not as important? They're you know they're things that they have an opinion on, but they're not necessarily as big of a deal. Um, when there's when you know what you're willing to kind of stand and raise your voice for, those are the things that you should find the confidence to speak up and raise your voice for. The things that are not as important, you know, you don't have to get animated for. And you find that way to, to connect with your connect your voice with the right things that are important for you. And to answer your question more succinctly is that you don't you have to find confidence in being the leader that you are. And when you do show up in that way, people will recognize that. Mm-hmm. So if you try to be that loud, obnoxious, and I'm not trying to judge those loud, obnoxious <laughs> sure. leaders, yeah. but if you try to be a loud leader and you're not innately that person, it's going to show up in that way. And people are going to be like, what is this all about? Yeah. <laughs> it it kind of makes me think of, um, you know, we love to use this, this um, phrasing of like authenticity. It kind of gets overused <laughs> a bit, but it does make me think about, it, it almost feels like, team members respect their boss more when they know that person's being genuine to who they really are exactly. and exactly. not trying to be, you know, uh, I, I don't know why I keep thinking like, I love the word you use was bravado, but I, I mm. do sometimes think that people try to fit into that role when it's not, it's not who they are. Um, mm. So that, that, that's pretty good advice. Yeah. I mean, I just want to take it one step further to say like, when you are in that place where you are, you know, aligned with who you truly are as a leader, it's almost like it resonates out, it radiates beyond you. People feel it and they react to it without even, it's, un, it's subconscious um, in the sense that um, they don't even know why they're reacting to it because it's not even happening at the, at the top level. Mm-hmm. It's happening underneath your, you know, in your being, uh, not to get too spiritual, but the reality is that's what it is. It's like you start to, to radiate it from the inside out and they pick up on that. Tony, a lot of your comments uh, just in the last several minutes have been around really essentially knowing yourself, knowing what drives you. Uh, you even had some certain questions that a leader could ask themselves. Is is the effective leader an introspective leader? Because uh, it seems like many times you ask these sorts of questions. I know if someone was to ask me out of the blue, hey, you know, what, what drives you? If I haven't taken the time to really think about it, my answer would be... I, I don't know. I mean, you know, so like this concept, you're, 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 you're driving this very much this, um, introspective 
phrasing, do leaders need to be more introspective to be effective? Yeah. I mean, the short answer is yes, but let me answer it in a different way. And just to say that the, the, the thing that people lack the most in this day and age is that we don't have conversations with ourselves very often to answer those questions that are, you know, we know we need to answer, but we don't often answer. And those are the questions that are, you know, what do I really, who do I want to be? What do I want for my life? Like, how do I want to show up in my life? And these questions tend to be like, oh, they're so big that they almost like, we just throw them away and just go back to what we were doing. Like, let's just continue to move on. But sometimes we have to pause and say, I think it's time for me to answer those questions mm-hmm. and think about who I really, really, really at the core on the inside, what do I want for myself? Um, and when I start answering those questions deep down, then you start to uncover the, imper- the person inside who's dying to get out. It seems like there's value to the person who can set aside time and answer those questions without being forced to, because the alternative mm. is it feels like we have these moments that sort of like wake us up to, wow, I really do need to answer these questions. So like, for example, you get, um, you know, your team really fails at something that they were set out to do. Um, you have an employee who quits and writes a scathing uh, evaluation of what it was like working for you. Uh, How often do you see people doing these things on the front end and being proactive versus now I'm sort of in crisis mode and, Mm. oh my gosh, what do I, how do I fix this? Yeah. I mean, it comes back to the slow is fast, right? When you, when you think that going fast and continuing to, to move um, at a breakneck speed to try and move the ball forward in business um, it actually doesn't serve you. Um, it actually ends up leaving a lot of these situations where people react with, you know, they're leaving because they they seem to have not had good interactions with you, or they haven't been able to um, to keep up with your pace. Mm-hmm. And so, when you go slow and you start slowing down and really understand what it is that makes you effective, um, that starts to change the way that things get done. And it starts to correct those efficiencies, starts to make things go in a much more powerful way. So I, for me, I've heard this phrase a million times, and I think I've the first, um, you know, the first million times, <laughs> I, I, I probably ignored it. And then the millionth one time I, I actually listened and I said, yeah, that makes absolute sense. Um, so once it sinks in for somebody to realize that I do need to slow down in order to speed up, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, it makes all the difference. So Tony, you know, you're, you're giving all sorts of great advice to people that you're working with on a day-to-day basis. Uh, I want to go back in your story a little bit. Um, cause we, we've, we've peppered in sort of these elements of just effective leadership and managing a team effectively, mm-hmm. but I, I want to go back to the conversation in terms of how it started, which was your backstory. You were in corporate yeah. America. You left corporate America. You, um, whether it was sh- a short number of steps or many steps, uh, ended up starting your business. Um, talk to me a little bit about what what drove you to starting your business, to leaving corporate America, and why you find your work so valuable today. I love this question. Um, so first and foremost, it was hard to leave corporate America because... I was working in an industry that um, I found a lot of value in. I was working in the biotech space. You know, I did a lot of work in the rare disease space. So 
And I had a chance to really even meet patients who they touch your heart when you hear that the things you're doing um, are having an impact on their life. Um, powerful. Um, and I was in the finance and strategies um, area of the work, but but I still would go to conferences and people would come up to me and say, oh, you work for that company. You know, thank you for saving my son's life. Hmm. I, you know, it's, I still get emotional when I think about it. Um, but the field I was working in, you know, finance world, people would come to me and say, you're not the typical finance person. Like, what is, you know, why are you do what you do? And, you know, it just seems like a, a weird mix for you. And I'd be like, yeah, but that's what I do. I'm trained this way. And I continue to move forward. Um, what what and, was a typical finance person, by the way? Like, what's, help me understand, like, the, the difference. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, it's funny you say that because, like, this is what pe- how people are programmed. They, they tend to put people in boxes because it's easy to put people into boxes and think finance, analytical, you know, numbers orientated, not people orientated. Yeah, cold, colder. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. exactly. Think cool blue as opposed to like yellow and, you know, kind of sunny and like positive and optimistic and that kind of thing. Again, do I think it's correct? Absolutely not. And in fact, I'm so glad that I don't think that way because uh, I think that's the thing that holds people back when we start to think in boxes. But ultimately, that's what really got me out of that box is to realize that I don't have to hold myself back in a box and label myself because I was a finance person. This is how I need to act and be. Um, And that eventually came to a head because I did get burnt out trying to be something that I was not. Hmm. Um, I got out of that rut. I mean, I threw a number of different things where, you know, it was meditation, therapy, such and such and such. But eventually I came to this realization that, you know, I, I need to not get myself so stuck in this place. Eventually I was still working in the corporate world and I found myself in this boardroom where I was working at a small biotech company. And I realized as I was sitting there that there were two leaders in this room that were just arguing about something trivial. You know, it was about saving face. It was about, you know, making sure that they were right about, you know, a particular issue. And as I sat there for a moment, you know, had been somewhat enlightened at this at this point, I realized, gosh, I don't think I want to do this anymore. I don't think I want to collect a paycheck any longer and just sit around and waste my time um, being uninspired and just doing the work that I've been doing. I think it's time. So I walked out. I literally walked out of the boardroom. I think there's like 40 people in the room. And I just literally said that I'm going to change the room. I'm going to leave the room to change the room. Hmm. And that's what I did. I had no plan. I had never been trained as a coach. And I just had no plan to really map that out. But I just decided that this is the time for me to make the leap. And I did. When I left, I went off and decided to find some way to make an impact on leadership and coaching became the next logical step. You have all sorts of, I mean, you, you definitely put in the work because you have all sorts of um, sort of, you have your uh, EQI uh, 2.0 EQ360 um, certifications, uh, which people have listened to podcasts long-term know we've talked a lot about emotional intelligence, uh, including an accreditation from the ICF, uh, which is probably the most well-known um, coaching accreditation uh, you can get. Um, 
you know, you're, you're putting in the work, you've made it happen. When people think about bringing inspiration to their leadership, to their day-to-day life, where my mind goes is like service projects or like mm-hmm. nonprofit work, or like I leave the nine to five and I stop by the food pantry on the way home to drop off some things. I feel like you have really helped people understand how to find that purpose and inspiration in the nine to five, you know, not necessarily the side projects or the random weekend things that people can do, but actually finding real meaning on a day-to-day basis. Is that accurate? And if so, what does that look like for someone? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's really, that's exactly the, the charter here. I, I want to really make sure my mission is really to get people to be fully inspired in their work so that there's no more burnout and there's no more, you know, people walking around unfulfilled in their jobs. And the way we do that is inspiration is that fuel that gets people to come to work, not just show up at work, but actually to be at work inspired. And we do that in a a couple of different ways. It starts with the leader thinking about being in, how can he be inspired first or he or she? How can they get that inspiration, that spark that gets them going and thinking, you know, what it is that, that, you know, keeps me going. And that might be uh, an intentional practice of how do I keep inspiration flowing for me? Mm-hmm. And then from that, also ensuring that they keep their people inspired because you can't inspire other people unless you are. Right. Right. And that doesn't mean, again, the you know going out and doing good work for other people. That's awesome too. But it's also about wanting goodwill for the people, wanting to share a message of what the work we're doing, how it makes an impact on the world and on the other people in this organization. I'm also, when I think about inspiration, I think about, you know, the, the work we do for the people on the team. If you inspire people to say like the work that we're doing makes an impact on others, but also has an impact on how you'll grow in the organization, um, it has a betterment effect on all the folks around. So it's kind of like it's self-fulfilling and has a cycle effect. Mm-hmm. So if I can, if I can put you on the spot, I want to yeah. give you an example of someone that I've spoken to. And I think this is somewhat yeah. similar to what some of our listeners might be feeling and experiencing. Uh, I had a guy who his business, they produced, um, like whenever you go deli meat, you go buy deli meat from the store, it comes yeah. like in a little plastic, like peel off package thing. Yeah. Well, so that's what they sell. That's what they make. Yeah. And, uh, randomly I was in this conversation with this guy and I said, well, what, you know, what, what matters about your work? Like what's meaningful? Yeah. And he said, well, we develop plastic containers for deli meat and that's about it. And I could just tell he just felt totally um, like, what am I doing on a day-to-day basis? And so I know I have listeners right now who they're thinking about this concept of inspiration and they're looking at their daily responsibilities or even the business that they're tied to and thinking, I don't necessarily feel that sense of betterment or purpose or drive. How does someone discover that inspiration? I mean, do they need to change professions? Do they need, is it, is there a hidden gem in their day-to-day work? I mean, Walk me through what you would say to someone like that. Yeah. So I, I love that you say this because there's just even looking at that example, like, you know, making that, that, uh, the wrapper that goes around the deli meat. I mean, okay. It's, you know, you think that's a challenge, but you think about what that does for people in general. There's a bigger picture to that. It keeps people safe. It keeps the food safe. It keeps people from getting sick. 
And there's a, a purpose of a business is not just to make money. It's also to bring people on board and have give them livelihood and give them a reason to show up and maybe even make them a better human for showing up to your work. And what that means is by giving them a job, teaching them how to be better leaders, making them into, you know, give them development opportunities. So it's not just about collecting a paycheck. It's about coming to work and feeling like I can do work that will make me develop into a better person. Does it, do you, does it feel like people are um, challenged with seeing the big picture like that? Where, cause you're, you're almost talking about like a, a butterfly effect, so to speak of, okay, you're not, you're not just selling a wrapper. You're selling um, really something that allows affordable food that doesn't necessarily have to be, um, you know, expensively uh, stored or protected. Exactly. You know, you're giving jobs to people, people who now their livelihood is thanks to you. Do you find that people sometimes struggle to see beyond that? You know, what do I do today? Of type of mentality. Yeah. So, so then, of course, and it's funny you mentioned that because that that's exactly we get so myopic around how we look at our um, our world. And this is where I am. I have this, this saying that I use often. It's actually part of the framework I use in my book. It's called expand your vision, narrow your focus. Um, and when people get stuck looking at their world, like they're looking at a wall, right? And like, you just, okay, this is what I'm doing. I, you know, continue to stare at this wall and you have to step away and say, what else is possible? What else is around me? What am I missing? Because I'm just staring at this wall. So you have to pause, step away, look around and think, what else is this part of? What am I, you know, what ecosystem am I in? What environment am I in? And what else could I tap into here? You think about COVID, right? The, all the things that people did to pivot their business. It's because they took a step back and said, well, I could either close the doors or I could find another way. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you decide, here's my option. And then you narrow your focus and you say, I'm going to execute on this. And this is how I'm going to do it. Even if it means that you don't do it, it might mean that you've, you decided that, okay, I'm going to partner with someone else to get mm -hmm. this done. But at least you know what you, the next step is going to be by narrowing your focus. And I appreciate that sense of optimism that I, I think for our listeners, it's not always easy to be optimistic, but it almost feels like it, it can be a habit that we nurture and develop in terms of how we see the world and approach problems and circumstances. Um, Tony, we are unfortunately out of time today. This has been, uh, that was a very quick conversation. I'm amazed how fast that went by. I just was soaking it up and listening. Well, for people who are also listening, thinking this is a cool guy. He, he, obviously I'm feeling inspired listening. Um, what happens next? How do they connect with you, follow you, maybe even work with you? Uh, yeah. What are the next steps for them? So I would say, first of all, uh, come to the website, Inspired Purpose Coach and, and, uh, and check it out. I have a leadership assessment there which is a great way to get started. You can uh, take the assessment and we'll, you can find out where you are on your path um, and then where you wanna go. And so I can help you in that process and also set up a call. We can you know, check in, do a quick discovery call. Um, I'm also, um, the book is out there on Amazon. I'd love to people to pick it up. It's got some great insights on there to get you on your right path. So climbing the right mountain. Um, if it's uh, something you like, leave a uh, review. 
If you and don't course, like it, don't leave a review. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, they have to check out the podcast, the Virtual Campfire Podcast, um, which again, just looking through the episodes, some of them look pretty incredible. Thank you so much. So Tony, thanks for being on the show today. I so appreciate it. True pleasure. Thank you so much. Hey, for our listeners, I'm going to put the link to Tony's website, inspiredpurposecoach.com. It's going to be down in the episode description below. I'm also going to put an Amazon link to his book, Climbing the Right Mountain, Navigating the Journey to an Inspired Life. Again, that'll be down in the episode description below. And hey, if you've been following the podcast, what the heck are you waiting on? Click the subscribe button. Make sure you're following the podcast wherever you are. And don't forget, if you enjoy the podcast and you want to support the podcast, you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash goodadvice where you can even have your business advertised in the introduction of the podcast. Again, go to patreon.com slash good advice to find out more. And hey, we appreciate you. Thanks so much for supporting us. That is this episode's good advice. Take it easy.